Welcome to Nerds Plus, where we work out our feelings about video games. It's a podcast about video games, board games, anime, movies, and all other pop culture nonsense. I am board game collector Anantira. I'm Finn Hogan, and I play a lot of video games. And this week, with Claudia Sykes away and overseas, she has abandoned us and left us with what was... Oh, God, I have so many feelings about this homework, Finn, which we're going to get to soon, but we have a special guest with us. Introduce yourself. Uh, Hi, I'm Jordan, and I consume a lot of pop culture. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Jordan, for filling in the very big shoes of Claudia. I'm sure you'll be amazing, and she'll regret going on holiday. Can you you say your full name, Jordan, because it's really good? Jordan Frost. Oh, it is a good it's name. such a strong name. It's a superhero name, isn't it? I know. Oh, yeah. I just, I'm so Finn Hogan. God, how dull. How clunky. It yeah. works as a doctor name too. Doctor no. Frost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Reverend Frost. Just, like, you could have any title and be amazing. Sir Frost. Speaking of, this, gra- this is the whole podcast. We're just going to give Frost different titles. Speaking of great names, Mister Frost, we need to cover the the most important thing that's happened this week. The 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 great and and amazing. Stan Lee passed away this week. Um, Rest in peace. Creator of so many of the most beloved Marvel characters, Spider-Man, Black Panther, most of the X-Men. Fantastic Four. So many of these different characters. Like, he bought Imagination to Life. He was a, later in his career, real salesman, went out and sold all these characters to movie studios and pushed those stories out there to try and expand what they were doing. So a lot of what made Marvel great and a lot of like when they were in a lot of their dark times and when they were close to bankruptcy, Stan Lee and the work he did with the people around them is is what brought that company back and now it's the behemoth that it is. So rest in peace, Stan Lee. So I think the most, you know, we should talk about some of his characters that he brought to life. And what's your most memorable character that Stan Lee put together? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily that I have a single character that I feel the closest to with his output. I just think the influence that he had on pop culture is what's important. Like the, I think he, Marvel had that thing and still does, which I really love. Like DC characters for me are kind of like, a lot of them are about strength, like whether it's like strength of will, like Batman or just overwhelming strength, like Superman. Uh, Marvel have got that kind of celebration of difference. Like there's that, analogy with the Marvel characters, particularly the X-Men, of a lot of people who, you know, like there's the analogy of, you know, homosexuality and things like that. They they were really embraced by certain cultures of uh, it's okay to be different. That seems to be the underlying theme in so many Marvel things. And there's that kind of that wholesome morality, which never gets too sickly sweet, which goes through so many of the Marvel storylines. And I think that kind of comes from Stan Lee. Like you see him talking about the, the reason he made so many of these characters and like all of these iconic things, like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, all of that. I, I really love that about Marvel comics. I think that's why they're so enduring is that they have, uh, a theme that's really resonant to kind of all age groups uh, and a lot of different demographics. And yeah, so that thing, that's kind of the thing that I've always taken away from what Stanley did. Was there a hero for you, Jordan, that's like your oh, it's, tip it's, top? It's Spider-Man. It, there shouldn't be really another answer really? to that. Yeah. Spider-Man's a massive... Bu- okay, when I say he's a bully, like, why do you think all of his villains, like, actually want to kill him? It's because he's bullying them and taunting I, I them. I genuinely do not think that is the answer. angry to them as, he, as he's beating them and breaking their bones. He's being just an absolute yeah, but what are you, dick what to are them. What are you talking about? The, the Spider-Man villains are motivated by hurt feelings. Yeah. Well, no, no, not. I'm not saying they're motivated by hurt feelings, but the particular reason that like they're so angry at him and so 
personally like driven to like to not just beat him but crush him is because he just picks on these guys. Like he's he's actually he, he's a jo- he, he was bullied in high school and now he's got power. He's bullying the villains. No, Spider Man's just the alter. He is that. Uh... He's that nerd fantasy that we all had because yeah. we were all Peter Parker he, at one point in our lives, and then he, we get to live out that revenge of the nerd fantasy. His, or, I think he has the strongest origin story, of yeah. probably of it. it may, uh, Batman's pretty good, but it's still a little bit cliche. I think that whole the, the Uncle Ben storyline of he could have stopped the person who killed Uncle Ben. That's yeah. always the recurring thing in every origin story. That there's that moment, like in the movie, it's the the, yeah. re- the, 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 the he's robbing a store or whatever, and Peter Parker stands aside and lets the person escape, and that person ends up killing Uncle Ben. Like, that origin story is so heartbreaking and dro- drives home that whole thing of, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. The power you have is worthless unless you do good with it. Like, yeah, yeah I, I think Spider-Man's origin is the strongest. Plus, how fun is it to swing around in, in the city on webs? Yeah, and when they get that right... <laughs> Very important also, yeah. yes. Yes, and when they get that right, that's great. And he's got a great power set. Like, who doesn't want those powers? My favourite character has to be Mr. Fantastic. He is Really? Okay, as a character, hell yeah. Because he is... If he wasn't part of one of the greatest superhero teams like in the Marvel Universe... He would be a villain. He's a literal mad scientist who does terrible, terrible things over and over and over again. And he's a massive jerk, but he's just a hero because he's on the right team. That's yeah. it. No, That's but, the only oh. reason he's a hero. He's a bad guy. It's so good. I, Mr. F- I just, I think he only works in an illustrated format because really think about the horror of watching a human being stretch. <laughs> like think about the visceral body horror of like, I imagine when the fantastic four go out, they're just like, okay, I'm just going to shield my eyes when you do the stretch stuff. Cause I can't see that. Cause that's going to make mean, me vomit. You mean when he stretches his face to look like another person's face? That exactly. Yeah. Actually imagine watching that go yep. like frame by frame. I, I don't need to. I can just watch the movie. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> yeah. and it's awful. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, even yeah. then they, they, the, the, CGI hams that up enough. I think if you really saw that in real yep. life, it would make you vomit. That's a good point. You know what? I'm I'm retracting my statement, Finn. You've convinced me. It took four episodes, but we got there. I would rather look at the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The thing is, he's an angel compared yeah. to Mr. Fantastic. He's a beautiful painting compared to the horror that is Mr. Fantastic. Well, Finn, what's what's, one, what's an important one for you? Uh, okay. I mean, I... I actually don't know how much stand this no disrespect to the man, but like how much I think he he had the concept for the base X Men, right? But I don't know how much a- involvement Correct. he had with like early how on. Many... A lot of them he did. So yeah. Wolverine is my favorite X Men. Like uh, he ticks every box for me. I love the the hero who's just a little bit rough, raw, can take a lot of punishment, isn't necessarily the most powerful, but just always survives, and that is Wolverine. Like, yeah. And the person who's always struggling with their inner violence and demons, like that narrative cliche just gets me every single time. Far out. See, I find Wolverine complete, like really boring. I find him just such a boring, like maybe to me he just feels like a cliche sort of character. He's just rough and angry, and he's for me, it's it, he's the version of what's wrong with 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 comic books, if I'm honest with you, no, I like th- just that 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 whole cliche, that whole aesthetic of him is a problem for me. I I think you I think that that uh, the story tropes that go into Wolverine uh, can be really cheap if you use them badly, but if you do them well, it can make a really effective story. But that's why cliches exist because they're easy storytelling devices, right? Like cliches exist because they're effective. And so when you use a cliche, it's one of the hardest things to do is use a cliche well. And I think when they good Wolverine stories, like Old Man Logan is an amazing story. Oh, hands down. Hands down. Yeah. Fantastic. So I just think it's easy to make a bad Wolverine story, but when it's good, it's very good. 
On to Ryan Reynolds, who is voicing a very iconic character in a trailer that was released this week. Finn, do you want to tell us a little bit about this movie that we are so hyped about? Okay, so Detective Pikachu trailer came out. And Ryan Reynolds is the voice of Pikachu. And that's, I mean, that's literally everything you really need to know is that there's a live action Pokemon movie. Pikachu is a detective in it and it's a buddy cop movie, but it's got Pikachu and it's a world of Pokemon. It just, we've talked about this, this is adjacent to the movie that I really wanted. What everyone really wanted, right? Everyone wants a live action Pokemon film where Pokemon exist in the world and humans and seeing that interaction. Everyone want that film? Yes. Well, I did. I certainly do. Yeah, I don't at all. It was fine as a cartoon. Well, no, I'm not saying that they'd have to be mutually exclusive, but it'd be so cool to see. But a Pokemon movie, like a Pokemon trainer going on the Pokemon journey, I just don't understand the series of decisions that led to this. Being like, yes, we're going to make a Pokemon movie, but not the one you want, not the one you're expecting, not Ash and Pikachu. No, we're going to make a buddy cop movie, but one of the cops is a Pokemon. I, I imagine though, because they need a character who can a Pokemon character who can speak English. Whereas you know, if it's just Ash or I guess Ash, Misty, and Brock, if you're going to do that, but you would have to, you know, make a trilogy or or so on. And if the first one doesn't do well, then so on. Whereas Pikachu probably will make a lot of money because it's got the word Pikachu in the title, plus got the word Ryan Reynolds underneath it. Yeah. Okay. From the cynical business perspective, I do get yeah, it. Yeah. But also, it did the thing where. It introduces the concept that Pokemon can speak and they're completely co- like uh, they're completely conscious and they're as smart as us, but we just can't understand them. So therefore, we've enslaved them. Isn't that just relating to animals in general? Like maybe animals can speak to each other, but we just can't understand them. Plus, I'm pretty sure that's actually brought up in the. Um in, in the yeah. TV show as well. Because well, Meowth. Can, yeah, because Meowth can yeah. speak. Right. And he translates and, for the other Pokemon who can all talk, seem to interact and talk to each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just, that, that has always been a, a problem for me. It's been like, that's, because as soon as you bring that element in, you're just like, oh, wow, we're, these, this is slavery. And uh, it's, it's also the problem, uh, this is like slight sidebar, but this is also the problem I had watching uh, Solo, you know, the new Star Wars movie, where the, there's the droid character in that, Lando Calrissian's uh, shipmate, yeah. and she's like, this is droid. Droid slavery. This is what you droid rights. Droid rights. And I'm like, oh no, don't don't bring that element into the Star Wars universe because you're going to make yeah. a whole bunch of kids have to c- tackle the concept of slavery on the slavery and on that sort of thing. Did you guys see that trailer that the fan made trailer of Pokemon where they they made a live action trailer? Some fans where basically it was a really dark, grimy Pokemon world where all the battles were underground and in basements and in cages, and the Pokemon were enslaved and that sort of thing. It was rough and raw, and it was. It was, I want to be honest, I want to see that movie. Yeah, I would totally watch that movie. As long as they don't keep Pikachu looking like an actual rat, like he did in the trailer. Because the the Pokemon kind of looked a little too real, whereas that's what I appreciate with the Pikachu trailer, is that they look like a pretty decent blend of the cartoon and real life, basically just putting hair on Pikachu, which is what you would assume would be the case. Yeah, what did you think of the the aesthetic in general? Like, what do you think of the Pokemon yeah. looks? Yeah, no, well, there are some Pokemon that, like, Charizard looks a little weird because he's just, I guess, scales like a reptile, whereas, like, Jigglypuff looked perfect and that one tiny little snippet you see of her and, and maybe a little less hair on Pikachu 
but that makes sense because he's supposed to be a rat. I love thinking about where's the line between Pokemon and animals? Like, no, you're not a Pokemon. You're just a rat. Like, Ratata, get out of my yeah. house. You're not a Pokemon. Pidgey, like, Pidgey, like, no, you're just a bird. No, you can't, you've got no powers. Get out. Like, a magic cup, you're just a fish. You're not a Pokemon. Or, or you can do a splash. So. And also things like Mr. Mime, I'm not convinced you're a Pokemon. You're just a weird dude. Well, is that also not the, the freakiest thing? Like, if I had to think of one reason that I'm... I'm anti-seeing this movie, is how terrifying Mr. Mime looks. Mr. Mime was always terrifying. I think that's the point. He didn't look that terrifying in any of the games or the te- all, all the all the cartoons at all. I also remember Jinx, like the... Ooh. Ooh. Ooh I don't know if... I don't think they're going to bring... I don't think no. they're going to bring Jinx in the terrible racial caricature of Pokemon. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't believe I completely forgot that existed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was the plan. I think they all sort of just hoped everyone was going to forget about this Jinx. Is good. This is, this is they, problematic. Then they picked Mr. Mime. The only other basically human version Pokemon. Yeah, but at least he's not a, like an awful racial character yeah. walking around. Yeah, at least at least at least he's not that. So uh, around the room, what would it take for you to enjoy it based on what you know? Uh, I, I I want I don't want this to be a buddy cop movie. I mean that is that like I said at the start. I I'm I'll be quiet. Well, I'm being very loudly cynical right now. Like, but I'm I'm going to go into it willing to give it a chance. But I just think that this isn't the movie people wanted they're just playing a movie that they think might be a little bit safer i think i'm gonna watch it and enjoy it based entirely on what i've seen i just don't i obviously we didn't see any actual pokemon battles any like actual pokemon moves against each other and i'm worried that there's gonna be none of that because they're just solving a crime and pokemon don't die so is that is that what they're doing they're solving some murder of a pokemon or a human or i don't know why detective pikachu's on the case that's a good point. Do do Pokemon now die in this world? Do we have to deal with Pokemon death? Pokemon death and Pokemon slavery. Nah. But, okay, but also, how can Pokemon not die? Because there are already Pokemon ghosts made of Pokemon that do die. Uh-oh, have we tugged on the threads of the Pokemon lore too much? Is we, it all unraveling around us? It's, all, it's almost like it's a kid's show. <laughs> last week we talked about BlizzCon. Uh, you have an update for us. So what's happened in the last week from BlizzCon? Well, if, if anyone's uh, been on the internet in the last <laughs> two, you know, last, last week or so, you've seen the dumpster fire that is the continuing PR fallout from BlizzCon. Uh, so, you know, I, for anyone that has avoided the internet for that long, they announced Diablo Immortal, a mobile game. Everyone was expecting them to announce Diablo 4, even though they had come out and kind of tempered expectations and were like, hey guys, we probably don't expect Diablo 4, but there will be an announcement, rada, rada, rada. They got, they got to their big keynote address, they came out, announced uh, a mobile game, and to say the reception was uh, lukewarm was very much putting it mildly. Like, that, that smattering of applause that just he goes, it's Diablo Immortal, and that poor PR guy waits for applause that just don't come, and there's this little like... And this deathly disappointed silence. And then they open themselves up to a Q&A. And so we, we recorded uh, our last episode. I hadn't actually watched the keynote address. I'd just seen the headlines. I watched it in the interim. And oh my God, that was awkward. Like, the first one of the first questions is a guy going up and being like, is this an off-season April Fool's joke? And everyone applauds louder than they did to the actual announcement. And that poor PR dude. And as the questions go, and it becomes more and more clear that absolutely nobody wants this. Uh, the p the people on stage start getting like a little bit testy, and then at one point they kind of yell at the audience, being like, "You guys have phones, right?" And oh god, like you guys saw this, right? Like, don't you? Yes, I do. So what's your excuse not to play it? Because that's not the game I wanted. Yeah, yeah, don't give me that. 
like, I don't know. So this is really divided games media. Like, there's been this kind of, there's two camps. There are people being like, I can't believe you've done this, getting really furious at Activision Blizzard. And then there's kind of the pushback against the pushback, being like, guys, don't be such entitled gamer bros. Like, what kind of camp do you fall into? I I am not a huge Diablo person. I've played a portion of all of them. I wouldn't say I've finished through all through any of them. Um, I have obviously I've played World of Warcraft. I've played all the other kind of offshoots. I play a lot of Dota. Um, I'm in the camp of I feel like we're getting a little too entitled because they did say there's basically three Diablo things they're working on, and this is just one of them. And I know everyone wants Diablo 4, and this is just, maybe this isn't for the the hardcore people, but certainly don't show it at BlizzCon if it isn't, which I, I understand the problem there, but it it is it is just something they want to make some money on. And for the people that don't like it, don't have to play it, and then for the people that, you know, want to play it, they can, whereas Diablo 4 will probably be announced next year. Yeah, absolutely. When we, we know it's in development. They haven't yeah. officially, but we know it's in development. Everyone does. But I just think the thing that gets me is, like you say, like they shouldn't have done it there. It was just, it was kind of, I think the nicest thing you could say about it is that it was so tone deaf. Like you've got yeah. the most, your most hardcore fans who have paid a substantial amount of money to come to your con with the expectation of seeing new things. Yeah. And you, you wait till the keynote address, you make a big, you, the, the, the expectation is this is going to be a big thing that everyone's going to be excited about. And you give them the opposite of what they want. Want. And you know it's the opposite of what they want. There's yeah. no one of there's no way that Blizzard didn't know that people didn't want this. Like and you know that this is going to be cynically monetized because everyone forgets that it's not Blizzard anymore. It's, it's Activision Blizzard. Yeah. These are the people who own Candy Crush. Like yeah. the, I I there is a big part of me that thinks Activision wears Blizzard like a mask a little bit. Like the the really cynical Call of Duty Candy Crush end of the business that is Activision rests on the goodwill of Blizzard because Blizzard make amazing games and they sneak in this monetization. What I worry about is I think Blizzard's identity is slowly being subsumed into Activision. Yeah. And that's the the reason I got a little bit upset about this is because for me, it's just another step down the road further away from what Blizzard was. And it's what it's becoming is this just endless cash cow for Activision. Each week we assign each other homework uh, to force each other to consume media that they may or may not enjoy. Um, let's start with you, Finn, your homework. Uh, so I assigned Berserk, uh, which is the world's strongest fantasy manga. Uh, it's probably my favorite following the story of Guts, the black swordsman, as he travels through a hellscape of demons and savagery. Uh, I, it's, it's probably the, I think it's got the strongest artwork for a fantasy manga. It's spawned some amazing films and an amazing anime adaptation. Not the latest one, 2017. Berserk is garbage, hot flaming garbage. But the original one, mm, beautiful. Uh, I'd be curious to see what you guys think. How far into it did you get? What were your thoughts? Jordan, go. Three chapters. Um, okay, okay, okay. We're going to have some beef, but what did you get out of those three chapters? And which three chapters? The, the, the first three chapters, okay. and I, I, I started on the wrong foot because I just, I just don't quite get manga and slash anime as much as maybe other people do it's, it's more graphic novels comics for me um so i probably went into it a bit too raw and um came out of it you know came out of it thinking it it's okay i might finish the first volume i'll do that for you but i, I just don't think i can 
get into it as much as other people might do. You dipped your toe and then were like, mm, yeah. not for me, and then walked off. Uh, the first struggle I had was I went to read um, these 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 comics and I was unsure. They're not comics. Yeah, well, look, they have pictures and they have words. And we're going to get so many angry like tweets. Anyway, they, I didn't know if you intended for me to start at, at uh, chapter one or if you started uh, intended for me to start at chapter A0. Uh, Look, it's got a confusing labeling yeah. system at and the start. And A zero is sixteen chapters before one, so I started at A zero, uh, which I believe is the prologue. It was it was a lot of guts attacking something. Thing falls over, he gets hit, he falls down. There's about a page of dialogue. Then there's another like ten pages of him hitting things or lying on the floor. Says something snarky and then kills a guy and then it's over. And that's generally what happens. Like, the most story I got in any of those prologue chapters was there was one bit where he um, was walking alongside a road and this cart comes along to offer him a ride. And he goes, no, nah, I'm good. You, you don't want me to ride with you. I'm I'm dangerous. And they go, no, nah, nonsense. You'll, get, you'll die. And he goes, no, really, you, I'm cursed. You don't want me to come with you. And they, like, hound him a little bit. And he goes, okay, fine, and hops on board. Um, they end up getting attacked. Uh, he fights them. Both the people in the cart end up being killed. Uh, one of them gets possessed, he has to kill the possessed one of it as well. And then he walks off laughing. And that's... that's yeah, he's kind of crazy. And, that, uh, that, and that's what happens. And that's generally the tone of how this all plays out. And then uh, Finn corrected me, and so I read about five or six of the chapters for, starting from one. And these ones, uh, as you are back in time, mm-hmm. uh, when he did not seem as full-blown crazy, but he's still, like, significantly crazy. And he's, like, a part of this mercenary company, and he's charging into, like, fights and battles, like, without real, really, doesn't seem to really be thinking about it. It didn't feel like there was a lot of story in what I read. It was seemed to be mostly Guts is having these massive long fights. Don't be, and they were pretty, but it wasn't interesting to read. Yeah, but, oh, dude, it's so good. Okay, 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 how about this? Don't, if you don't like the manga watch the first few episodes of the anime or watch the first film. There's, there's a, you know how they do with, I don't know if you know this about anime, but with, to when they adapt anime series, they often make them into, uh, condense them into a film. Yeah. So there's a trilogy of films and each one covers like a whole arc from the story. So watch the first film and it will give you a condensed version of everything that happens in the first part of the manga. But because the story is genuinely amazing but I think you're only since you're at the very start of it and there's such a huge arc it will just seem like nothing has happened but I think if you watch the condensed version it it really exp- it goes into a really interesting direction of why Guts is like he is he is a lot different than uh, other sad boys with big swords yeah, uh, that's right. yeah <laughs> like they, they go into the reason he's a sad boy with a big yeah. sword is I've never seen tackled uh, in any other media like this like how about i'll rejig the homework uh, for next week watch a condensed one of the films the first in the trilogy you'll get a much stronger sense of who guts is uh i can see where you're coming from i can see that criticism so i think we should just we'll we'll rejig homework for next week and then we'll rehab this discussion my homework this week was to ask you guys to play a small indie game papers please uh where you play a border security uh person who sits in the booth and checks people's passports and papers and credentials before stamping approved or denied, legging them into your very, very, um, what would it be, a very restrictive and oppressive country? Yeah, authoritarian state. And that is the and that is the entirety of the game, is you uh, stamping people in 
uh, to, to let them into the country. And the thing I love most about this game and the way it's done is that, let's be clear, I don't particularly, when I play this game on my own, I don't find it fun. I think it designs a very protective, um, very particular brand of oppressiveness. So, like, even, like, the way the screen is laid out. So, like, uh, the bottom part of the screen where you spend most of your time playing, uh, the left half of it has, uh, you, basically, you can see the person as they walk into the booth and the papers, and there's a small desk with where they drop the, the passports and stuff on. And the right-hand side is a zoomed-in area where, like, you've picked up the passport, dragged it over to another desk where you can look at it and examine it. But it's the size of everything is not quite, the space you have is not quite big enough. So all the papers are like, as you get to like three or four days in, you have like a rule book and that you have to follow and you have like three different sets of papers all overlapping on that one desk that you have to kind of arrange to make sure you can get all the information. And it starts to feel very like claustrophobic and very tense, like trying to figure out how am I going to get all the information I need, considering I have all this this very little space to work with. And then you eventually just go give up and hand it to them and then you make a mistake and your pay gets stocked and that sort of thing. So I love like through very simple mechanics it designs this very um, very oppressive feel which I think is sensational and I don't know of a, I don't know any games which tackle a particular aesthetic and nail it so perfectly. I oh, know I agree. I think it, all the elements in this game if they were done even slightly Worse, if they were executed even a little bit more poorly, uh, would tank another game. Uh, every, every part of this is so well considered. Like like you say, it genuinely creates the stress of being a cog in a bureaucratic machine. And that doesn't sound fun, but since it's executed so well, it you really get engaged in it. Like, like you say, you don't have much space, so you feel cramped in your little office. It turns its weaknesses into strengths. Like even the, the pixelated art, for like the, the, the low-res graphics, the... Uh, when you, because one of the things I didn't even realize this, you've got to match the the picture and the passport to the person, and I didn't pick that up at first, so I got a citation straight out the gate, uh, because I just assumed I was like, oh, I can't really tell, like you know, there isn't a lot of detail in your face, so I'm just going to assume that's you. But then I realized, oh my god, I really actually have to scan, look really closely at the picture and the passport, look really closely at the face, uh, and yeah, I just thought the the what little the, all the sound design is amazing, the. The oppressive authoritarian, the writing is really good. It really gives you that sense of living in, you know, like a communist Russia or another state like that. Uh, and it really gives you that that sense of I could I could let someone through. Like when you get the little the sob stories of someone coming up and like, please, uh, you know, there's, there's someone after me. Please, I know I don't have the correct documentation. You can let me through. And you really do feel that kind of compulsion of I could use my bureaucratic, my small amount of power to let this person through. But if I get caught, I'm going to get my pay docked and then my family doesn't get to eat. Like, And th- th- those sort of little moral dilemmas get done really, really well. Like, I don't know. what you, Jordan, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I see everything there. Um, it sounds like you don't agree. No, 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 I agree with everything. I agree with everything, but I just don't get past that. When you say it sounds boring, that's because it is boring. Um <laughs> Only, only on the fact that like it is, it is just a job. It's just a job, and you're trying your best to do your job as quick as you can because you need to stop your children from dying. And I, I've, I, I, I played this game when it came out. I bought it day one. I played it, and I did not like it at all. Coming back to it, I enjoyed it a lot better, especially with all the reasons you've said. It's just like 
I tried, you know, I tried really hard, really, really hard to get everything right. I'm like, cool, yay, I'm happy with this, approved. And then I get that little citation. And then every time that happens, it just, just degrades me even more and more. And to the point where you, you know, because you get like two chances each day or whatever. And then yeah, you two free passes, two each free day. passes. And every time that that, every time that that pops up, it's just like, ah. Oh. I swear I checked everything. Uh, I, I 100% agree. And like that sound of when like you get that citation, it's like that uh, old, um, the old printers, mm. that, yeah. that sound pops up. It's, it, I've never been more tense playing a game, waiting for that sound to show up. You're like, oh, my does. kid needs medicine. Yeah. Don't take my money away. Like, yeah. Even though you never see your family or anything, they literally just, there's just a little icon that says sun, cold, sun, hungry, sun, sick. But it, that's effective. And like, well, there's one of my favorite bits is that there's a guy who comes up uh, early on in the game and just says please let me in and you go where's your passport and he goes I don't have a passport this country is so great I don't need passport and you're like that's not how it works and then he leaves and then he comes back with like a crayon drawn passport and you're like dude this is just a crayon drawn passport and he's like ha 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 right 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 okay you don't like passports I get it I'll come back but then eventually he comes back with a perfect passport and when he first gives it to you you look at it and you're just like okay well obviously this is going to be wrong somewhere and you go through like every part of the passport and he's got all of his papers and he's just smiling at you and you have to let him through even though you know this isn't real and I thought that was a really nice moment like I thought that was a really interesting kind of I'd never really had that exact sort of experience in gaming I had a day where I had like you know I couldn't afford to pay heating so like one of my my, my son got sick and I was like oh crap things weren't going well and you end up on that kind of snowball you get one citation you're like alright fine I got another one on my sleeve you get a second one you're like oh crap and every citation after that the first one docks you f- the, like the third one docks you five dollars the next one docks you ten dollars so docks you more and more the more mistakes you make so i got to a day where like i'm getting through lots of people but i've made three mistakes already and i'm like and i'm looking and i'm doing the numbers of i need to get everyone right and this person comes in and they're like oh cool hey uh they've got the right papers and they say like my wife is right behind me can you just like like you know just just tell her where i've gone when she comes through so this guy goes through the wife comes in she has the incorrect invalid papers and i'm like I can't stamp her through. In that moment, that's what fell in love with this game. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And like you say that, you've got to try and get through enough people. There's that wonderful tension between I need to pay attention to every little piece of paperwork uh, to make sure that my pay doesn't get docked. I let the wrong person through. But at the same time, I need to get through a lot of people. So you do have that weird urgency of, oh, okay, show me the passport. Okay, scan, scan, scan. Get the rule book out. But then your space is cluttered and you're like, that real tenseness. But I get what you're saying, yeah. Jordan, that, that that isn't necessarily fun to yeah. play. Oh, agreed. It's, but, it's all, yeah, it's all done very well. But it, yeah. the thing is, I think, I know it's a bit an incredibly pretentious thing to talk about games as art, but like... It, Art makes you feel stuff, right? Like, and it does, art doesn't necessarily have to be uh, pleasant when you experience it. And I think this game was designed to make you feel something. And I always measure uh, whatever piece of art it is, whatever kind of expressive media, if it effectively makes you feel the thing, it's successful. Yeah, which and, it does do that. And Papers, yeah. Please very effectively makes you feel a very interesting set of emotions. And it leverages all of its mechanics very, very effectively and deliberately to make you experience something. And that's why I'd be like, yes, this is a very successful piece of art. I always come back to the one-line review of this game, which I mentioned last time. This game is my own personal hell, but it's a really well-crafted version of that hell. And that's what it is. And like, it does what it tries to do. It does perfectly. Is it fun? No. I'm not going to ever say this game is fun. Did I enjoy the experience? Yes. Yeah. It is fun at the end of the day when you've gone through a lot of passports and you've got no citations and you're like, your family's okay. And then the next day, 
it's the opposite. <laughs> it's such a and it's such a weird thing in video gaming to pat yourself on the back for. Like, got through yeah. another day of paperwork, team. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, uh, really recommend you check out Papers Please. Available on Steam and um, it's like ten bucks. Just do it. <laughs> Right, so Claudia's homework that she set before she went away was when Marnie was there. I have some feelings that are unresolved about this entire experience that Claudia made me have. Uh, Finn, do you want to, uh, since you're much more level-headed than I am, give it a quick uh, rundown of of what it's about? A socially awkward, asthmatic girl gets sent to the country by her doctor to get some fresh air to sort out both her physical ailments and her seemingly degenerating mental health. And also she meets a girl called Marnie and they have this really intimate friendship and that's kind of the impetus of the whole story. What I found interesting is that it's this very eastern take on a western piece of source material uh which i just thought i thought there was a little bit of tension there and i, I mean i watched it sub you watched it dub right jordan yes yeah and i thought that there were moments in the local I, firstly this is studio this is the last studio ghibli film um well with the original like founding members you know what even studio ghibli is now it's kind of just a label that gets put on a lot of stuff but it was it's beautiful in that really meticulous 2d hand-drawn style so get that out of the way it's beautiful it's gorgeous 100 percent uh, but in terms of the language, like there were moments when I was watching and I was like, I feel like this would make so much more sense if I understood Japanese. Like there were certain moments where I felt like the words were just a little bit adjacent to the words they were trying to express. So there were certain complex emotional situations that I felt just didn't quite resonate. I don't know. What did you think, Jordan? Yeah, yeah. Well, my I have the same issue here. It's uh, the my overarching issue is although movies don't have to have a like a meaning or don't have to push something. This movie tried and failed horribly. It was talking about mental health, but then it was also talking about. I, I don't know if we're getting into spoilers. Uh, we, we will. We will soon. Let's soon. Let's, no, let's okay. drop a spoiler warning here. We're gonna. If it sounds interesting to you, just go watch it. Uh, or if you don't really care about the spoilers, keep on plowing through after, it from now. Okay, cool. So we don't like it. Absolutely. So, like, let's play our our spoiler music here, and uh, we'll put the where the spoilers end in the uh, timestamp in the description if you want to jump straight past it. Right, we're in spoiler territory. Yeah, I mean, so from the start, they say that there are ghosts in that house. And then she meets people, and it's like, those people are ghosts. And at no point did I think they're not ghosts. And then throughout the whole thing, she's the only person that sees them, right? So I, I put it down to her mental illness. See, She's seen people, and, and, you know, she's struggling with certain things. Specifically, I don't know. But then she keeps winding up in the ditch in the rain in, at nighttime. And and yet every single day it was like they go back to the people that's looking after her. And it's like, oh, no, it's okay. Go back and outside and do your own thing. That seems fine. I yeah, that- <laughs> no one mentioned that. Like no one in this entire film ever brought up. Hey, you keep waking up in a ditch. Like, it's like a nothing issue. It's like if I had anybody wake up in the ditch one time or behind a bush one time, I would be asking some questions. How did you end up in the ditch? Why were you out and then ending up in a ditch? Hey, you're in a ditch. Let's talk about the ditch situation. Not one time. It happened three separate occasions in this film that she woke up either in a bush or in a, bush or in a ditch. It's nonsense. Maybe she's just real hard to be around in the dislike. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Fine, the ditch can have her. Um, no, I, 
Yeah, I, I, that did get me. I just th- I thought it was very much like a classic English ghost story uh, in that way of the 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 past is you know it's haunting the present and not in a horrific way. It's just there are there are unsettled ghosts who haven't sorted out their emotional problems. You know, like but the ghosts were conveniently her grandmother. So so that that's the big heel turn for me is where it's like suddenly this was your grandmother. So. Remember how last week Claudia mentioned, oh, it seemed like a story, uh, a very lovely story about two lesbians. And I'm like, okay. And and as I watched it, I got that feeling all the way through for about first 80 minutes. I'm thinking, cool, Marnie and the main character are like, you know, this is their little story. This is fantastic. It's really, really interesting. And it's going places. And I couldn't figure out if Marnie was her imaginary friend, which she states at one point, or, and then they find a diary that suggests she's real and she's very confused about this. And then she's her grandmother. And then there's this whole story about how she's her grandmother. And I'm like, okay, okay, I get that. But what do, am I meant to now think about the first 80% of this movie? The conclusion did not give me any satisfaction for the first lead-up for that entire movie. I was, I was, the way it closed out is not what I needed for that film. I'm with you. This is, this is again where I feel like the localization comes, the issue comes over. I feel like some of the emotional reveals would have made more sense. Uh, I think they're just, and there might be little cultural resonance issues as well. I think certain things would resonate more in Japanese culture. Like with the whole, I think you were saying, Jordan, about the, she finds out at one point that her foster parents are paid to look after her and it's this huge bombshell thing. But she was devastated that that was the case. Yeah. That's the case with any foster parents. Yeah, and I was, and I, at the same time, I was like, yeah, n- yeah. Natch, Natch Sitch. And then, yeah, and then the foster parent, when she came back, she thought that that was the one thing weighing on her that she needed to tell her, was that, I'm sorry, but I get paid to look after you? Yeah, I, I get that. The And I, the same with you, and I read the, when I was watching the story to start with, I saw that, yeah, as well. I was like, this is, might be a girl confused about her sexuality and exploring those feelings uh, with kind of maybe maybe an imaginary friend like this, uh, this other imagining this other life and I was like yeah okay cool that's a, that's an interesting sort of narrative choice and then switch at the end to oh it's a grandma I did I did find that to be an old one but on the flip side I did think it was very beautiful and I did find some of the writing really evocative and I thought uh, the aesthetic of the whole thing was really beautiful that was my favorite part I thought it was always consistently gorgeous to look at the entire way through I just think it failed at saying a message because, like you know, like I said, it doesn't. Movies don't have to have messages, but this one clearly tried to, and I don't know what the me- what the takeaway from this movie is. I don't know what to think about this movie. I honestly feel like I wasted my time. Um, I definitely didn't all waste the way through. Time. Like I mean, like narratively, like I did. I felt like it changed gears way too many times. Didn't address any of the the ditch life that she had. Like you know, the whole the the grandma twist was a very strange angle to take it. There were the missing pages from a diary that seemed super important that we never got any resolution to what was on those pages. I assume that was somehow time travel. Like those pages is what she wrote about seeing her not real granddaughter. And then that's why she ripped them out. That's what I kind of thought. But oh, right. Yeah, I didn't think. Yeah, yeah. Which is those but, are what she wrote during the time. But then they found it, the letters. Yeah. And they just never read really what was on them. It's, I know what I'm saying sounds confusing. If you want to understand this, you need to watch it. because. And if you do, can you put a message at, um, at News Hub Podcast uh, on Facebook and explain to me what this movie's about? Oh, yeah. If someone can sell us on it, if please can, do. Can not sell it. Just tell me what the point was. I don't know the point of what I just saw. And... 
I'm incredibly frustrated by that. Because watching something like this, like, I had build up a feelings, and like Studio Ghibli is really good at manipulating your feelings, and really good at giving you that, creating that, that swell in you that this is going to go somewhere, and it just left me with it. I had to go for a walk. I had to stay awake for a while in order to process this. But that's, I mean, that's that's some sort of success, I think. If you can get someone that, uh, if you can get someone that expressive and get someone feeling the feelings that strongly, even if there's no resolution. I'm confused. Like, but here's the thing. I don't know what feelings they wanted me to have, and that's the problem. I have all of these feelings, and I don't know where to channel them. I don't know what intent they had uh, or what they're, I don't know what I'm meant to take away from this. I don't I know. I think that that's a, that's a form of success in a, in a I, narrative. Well, I think that is categorically failure in every story storytelling thing, if your audience can't tell in any capacity what you're trying to do, that's got to be a failure. Art should be a question mark, Anand. Yeah, but this is also a movie, and a movie is a story, so they need to actually tell a story, and I think they failed on that front. I think you're taking a very simplistic view of storytelling there, Anand, but that's okay. All right, what else have we done um, before we get into our homework for this week? What other newness uh, have we taken care of this week? Still just playing a lot of Red Dead. It's very big. There's a lot of it. Uh, still still have positive feelings about it like you did when you first started? Or is it or is that grind starting to wear it? Yeah. It's not no, it's definitely not a grind. It's it's a very impressive game. I think there are elements of it which aren't as polished as I thought they'd be. Uh, but it is exceptionally well made. It's very beautiful. Uh, it's it's Red Dead too. Like I mean, you 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 will have anyone who is interested in video games has heard a lot of people talk about Red Dead. So I don't think about anything particularly to add to that. But that is what I've been consumed by uh, for the past week. Jordan, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been playing a game called Red Dead Redemption Two. Oh, right. I heard how, that. Yeah. How, how, how are you feeling about that? Uh, yeah, no, it's the same thing. I mean, it it, it picks up. It, it starts slow and it picks up. And at least it's the kind of game, it, it doesn't make the mistake that the recent Assassin's Creed games have made where they've put in this RPG element and level element. And so when you realize you're getting bored of a certain something, you can't just do the main story. And in this, I appreciate that you can. It's just like, okay, I'm a little bit bored of fishing now or playing poker. I just want to get through the story. And you can do that and then you continue to enjoy the game. And I appreciate that, even though it takes three, four hours to teach you how to fish. But, you know, when you when you can, when you've got all of the options and you just choose whatever you want to do, you enjoy the game. Yeah. It doesn't make any uh, allowances for the player, really. Like, it doesn't try and hold your hand. It it makes you come to it in a lot of ways in that game. Just like the horse. Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. The horse is a metaphor for everything. But yeah, it's it, 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 of course it's worth buying. Like it, it's, it's an important game and it's going to get a million Game of the Year awards and it's going to make them an absurd amount of money. And yeah, every, all the until, things that we expected. Until Red Dead Online comes out and then they yeah, make twice that. That is the, the most gobsmacking thing. It's already made over a billion dollars and that is just, that is screw you money. They can just set all that money on fire because all the real money is going to come when they turn the online component on. I play Dungeon World for the first time this week. So it is a pen and paper RPG, which is similar to um, a Dungeons & Dragons style game. It was real good. It's uh, It's got some interesting mechanics around it, some interesting storytelling options. Um, we had a lot of fun with it. It was real fast to pick up compared to D&D. Cause D&D it's, yeah, it's not as dense? No, no, not, not nowhere near as dense as D&D is. And also, um, like, you know, as the person who GMs it, it was really easy to actually write campaigns and make that sort of stuff, which is the hardest thing in D&D is writing campaigns. And this made it really straightforward to do and actually made it much easier to improv and riff on it. Um and it, like, it gave you a really interesting mechanic to punish your players. The GM, the controller of the game, doesn't get to roll any dice. Just when the players fail at something, 
I get to make what's called a hard move and I got a list of moves. I can do anything I want. There's one of those moves. So I can just start bringing in new bad guys and doing new things and making life more difficult. And you can do things which are narratively interesting, which are, um, which are great. So I think it was a really cool game to play. And I think um, if, you have, if you're ever interested in doing a tabletop style game, check out Dungeon World. Uh, all right. Um, as we do every week, it's time to set some homework, some stuff to challenge each other to do in the next week. So, Finn, where we at? Uh, I mean, I I love it so much that I'm going to get you guys to take another run at Berserk and just and watch at least the first film in the trilogy. Uh, and I've already given you the. I just think it's my favorite fantasy story. And I think if you watch the first film or the first two and you don't like it after that, fine. But it does take a turn on the third one, which justifies a lot of the effort you've put into it uh, at the start. There is a turn at the end of the third film, which changes not only the genre but the feeling of the whole thing. Uh, and it explains a lot of why Guts is like he is. It explains why the world is like it is. And it's a very, really, it's a very fascinating moment in horror fantasy storytelling. So I would very much recommend it. And I hope you guys like it. <laughs> Please like it. Okay. I, I make no promises. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to suggest you guys play a small point-and-click adventure game. came out, I think, a couple of years ago now. It's called Paradigm, if you've ever heard of it. Basically, no. the best way to explain it is imagine... If in the 80s, Russia, like some Russian people made Adventure Time, that's that's basically it. It's like oh, a okay. post-apocalyptic world. You're just a, you're just a, an average guy with a big tumor who wants to drop some fat beatsies. And then some things happen and you figure out bad corporation is bad corporation and so on. That is such a confusing combination of words that you've just put into my ears, but yeah. I dig it. I yeah. want to be a part of that. Right, My homework is uh, to play a game called This War of Mine. Um, it is set in a war. You play as the non-combatants in a war. It's a survival game, and you basically have to look after your shelter, uh, go collect supplies, make sure everyone has everything they need. Um, it's that sort of game. If you've ever played a survival game, it's that. Um, and it's it's really well done. It's got a really interesting art style. It It's probably one of the best versions of, of of a game which which tries to show the horror of war because it's not focused on any of the combat it's focused on the stories away from the combat which i think is real fascinating so this war of mine is the game i want you it's, guys to play it's the consequence of the combat not the exactly combat. and yeah. the effect it has on the people who have to live in those war zones uh all right uh thank you very much to maggie wicks our producer uh, thank you very much to Al Sebastian, who is our sound sorcerer. If you want to comment on anything we've talked about, go to News Hub Podcasts on Facebook. Uh, my name is Arnold Hera. I'm Finn Hogan. And our special guest was... Jordan Frost. This was Nerds Plus. And next week, we'll talk about dragons. 